0: Hello. The following is a recording of the memorial service held in Saskatchewan for Leilani Collins in Saskatoon in the backyard of her brother, Bill Allen, on August 13th, 2017. It was attended by a number of friends and family. Uh, the MC of the event was her nephew, Corey Allen, but we begin with Corey Allen's mum, Timlin Allen-Reed.
1: Now, this is the obituary that Mark Collins wrote um, uh, for his mom on behalf of his mom back in April. And uh, I'll be ad-libbing some to sort of uh, uh, be, uh, some thoughts of my own as I go along. Now, um, Leilani, I was born, Leilani, Ada, Mary, Allen Collins. And Lonnie was one of the warmest and most vibrant souls to grace this world. She passed away at the age of 69 at her home in Heightsville, Maryland on April 23rd, 2017, 3 a.m. in the morning and surrounded by uh, some of us, her family, and uh, her friend Denise um, Denise Green. Lonnie was born on December eighth, nineteen 1947 at Grey Hospital in Regina, Saskatchewan to her loving and very involved parents, Dolores, some of you know her as Wadji Holmes and Alfred Allen. She attended Holy Rosary and St. James Elementary Schools and Sacred Heart Academy High School. Uh, While studying at the University of Regina, Lonnie joined the Canadian University Services Overseas or better known as CUSO. Now, much to her mother's dismay, uh, she got very interested in Cuso, and she had talked at length about maybe serving somewhere in another country, uh, which Mum was able to put her off for a while. And she worked at SASTEL, but about six months into working at SASTEL, she started to move back to this idea of going with Cuso. So, on in 1969. Uh, we put her on a train uh, for the east where she would train to go to Ghana, um, Accra, Ghana, w- West Africa, and um, teach business education to young African girls. While she was there, she met a dashing young man named Mamoon. Now, uh, we were a little nervous when we heard the name Mamoun, uh, feeling that it He likely was an African man, and that would mean she could possibly spend the rest of her life in Africa, uh, which we were greatly opposed to. So we were very thankful when, uh, after some time, this dashing mamoon was dashing a little too quickly for her, and she moved on. And shortly afterward, she met another dashing, more appropriate man, a little closer to home, an American, an American Foreign Service Officer, David Collins. She met him at a local movie theater where he was on a date with one of her friends. Um, In addition to his charming demeanor, David also had consistently working electricity and running hot water in his home. That was not to mention also that he had access to the commissary where there was food. So, she naturally gravitated toward him. After a lengthy engagement, Lonnie and David were married on September 29, 1972 in Regina, Saskatchewan, at Holy Rosary Cathedral. And they honeymooned on a pig farm near Keniston. Now this was not just any pig farm. This was Joe and Sharon's pig farm. Many of you have visited there and anyone who spent any time there at all would understand why she would rather spend time on Joe and Sharon's pig farm than on a sandy beach in Hawaii. Being among Sharon and Joe's uh, friends and Joe's in-laws was a great joy to all of our family. Lonnie and David began their marriage in Hyattsville, Maryland, where they bought their home and furnished it with furniture that they found in the alleys. Thankfully, these pieces of furniture were gradually replaced. Now, when they bought the home, David agreed to purchase it on Lonnie's recommendation, sight unseen. He was a brave man indeed. In 1974, David was then stationed in Manila in the Philippines and they were able to travel extensively throughout Asia during that assignment. In 1979, Paul was born in the Philippines to David and Leilani, and I like to say also to their maid Tessie, who guarded him fiercely. And Mark followed in 1981, born in Regina at the same hospital that his mother was born at, now called the Pasco Hospital. Leilani's children were her joy and her love, and support of them was unending. With David's job, the family was required to move back and forth between the states and his various overseas posts. These included a second posting in Ghana, during which there was a coup d'etat. The next posting was to Beijing, China, culminating in their hasty and dramatic evacuation in 1989 during the uprising and subsequent government crackdown at Tiananmen Square. Unfortunately, this was uh, the same time that Danica and Joe were visiting from Canada, a trip that Danica planned for and raised money for for many months, and it was cut short, and, and they had to return to Canada. From 1993 through 1997, they were stationed in the decidedly safer post of Vienna, Austria. Incidentally, David, it seemed a little weird to us that you often were stationed in the middle of conflict. And we've all been meaning to speak to you about that. Why you were in these places and why Leilani was there with you. In all their travels, Lonnie and David would make new friends in whose lives they remained involved for, for many years to come. Upon returning to Hyattsville, Lonnie was called to work at the Catholic University of America, first in the School of Nursing and later in Campus Ministries, working in an environment that exemplified her faith and brought her together with such wonderful and talented individuals such as Sister Rosemary, this brought her great joy. She was enamored with the students, bursting with energy and potential, and she loved her co-workers with whom she built strong and lasting bonds. Lonnie lived her faith through acts of service to others with generosity and love. No one was beneath her or undeserving of her affection. She volunteered extensively at her home parish, St. Jerome's. She also made anonymous donations to AIDS students at Catholic University so that these students would be able to continue their studies. Her deep faith sustained her and guided her life. Living far from her Canadian relatives, Lonnie's friends in Hyattsville also became family. They were her support. The Hyattsville mums collectively raised their children through thick and thin, and there were many thick times. Leilani's zest for life led her friends on many adventures, including pit stops at Dunkin' Donuts at midnight and late night runs to the movies. When in Canada, it was just more of the same. She was known to participate in many of Sharon's pranking activities. Leilani and David traveled extensively during their retirement, and among their favorite destinations were Ocean City, North Beach, and Ireland. Their retirement, while brief, gave them even more opportunities to deepen and strengthen their love for one another. Lonnie loved to mention how much David appreciated her spontaneity without necessarily having to stay out past his bedtime. He was steadfast in his love for Lonnie and truly doted on her. Leilani loved to play cards, and a late-night card game with the ladies could only be made better by Diet Coke and Twizzlers. Leilani's enthusiasm for life, her generosity and -and get-up-and-go attitude were unrivaled She was a tour de force of inclusiveness of wherever she lived or visited. The word Catholic means universal. Lonnie embodied this principle and found the silver lining in all situations. Lonnie was extremely devoted to her Canadian family and friends and travelled to Canada frequently to visit, often with Paul and Mark in tow. By exposing them to wee characters, as uh, Mark likes to call us, her kids were taught many valuable traits, that is to stay up late, to play cards to win, to eat candy, to sleep in, and to have a good time. And the biggest lesson of all, the importance of family. This love of family was extended to her in-laws in the States as well, and they also embraced her in return. In 2001, Leilani was first diagnosed with ovarian cancer, the the disease that would eventually take her life. Over the next 16 years, her cancer reappeared nine times. In each instance, she dealt with this disease with courage, dignity, and grace. In fact, she often called the disease, my friend. The family were extremely thankful for the wonderful staff at Georgetown University Hospital, particularly Dr. Barnes, whose knowledge and skills gave us so many more years with Lonnie and for Sister Rosemary, who made the call to Dr. Barnes asking for his help. Leilani's family here in Canada and David, Mark, Paul will never be able to repay friends like Doug and Therese. Or Bob and Denise Green, and many other good longtime friends for their kind support. But we are quite sure Leilani did her very best to try to show her gratitude through reciprocal acts of kindness, some of which you will learn of today. Leilani was predeceased by her parents Wadji and Alf Allen. She is survived by David, her husband of 44 years, her children Paul and his wife, Rachel, and Mark, and his partner, Margot, her brother, Bill, and his wife, Teresa, and myself, Timlin, and my husband, Peter, and nieces and nephews and many cousins, and a cast of friends far too numerous to mention, but all of whom felt like close family to Lonnie. Funeral services were held at St. Jerome's Catholic Church in Hyattsville at 10.30 a.m. on Thursday, April 27th. Uh, This was followed by the internment at Maryland Veterans Cemetery in Crownsville, Maryland, and a traditional Irish wake was held in the Gold Room of St. Jerome's on the same day. We might look at ourselves and know that we are a favourite aunt, uncle, parent, spouse, sibling, in-law, cousin or friend to someone. We are usually pleased about this, maybe even a little proud of the fact. Then there are those few people in this world who are all of these to many people and never give it a thought and never expect anything in return. Hard work, love, dedication and compassion is how they live their lives. I think we can all agree Leilani was one of these people, and we can proudly claim her as our own.
0: Mum did make a, a very good point uh, of a uh, of family, and she did make a, a mention of uh, Sharon uh, in in uh, in the, her uh, in her speech there. So uh, I I kind of have to reflect. Uh, uh, in my life, because Sharon and Lonnie were definitely pivotal roles in my life. And uh, for all of you who know Sharon, uh, she wasn't as affectionate as Lonnie. <laughs> um, if, uh, and if you any of you have been pinched in church by Sharon, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Lonnie, with her uh, always very caring and loving ways, would, uh, you know, you get in the car and she'd say, Seatbelts, people, seatbelts. Right? So you definitely... Uh, know that uh, you were loved whether you were pinched or or told to fasten up um we're going to move on here uh with um we have uh kelsey who's gonna tell us what happened in dc followed by Jeannie and sister rosemary's letter
2: so um there were a few of us that gathered in dc um for the for the events i suppose we can call them and um, Jeannie, I think, is our, our best communicator. She, um, she keeps everybody kind of up to snuff on, on what's going and who's involved and all of that. And um, Jeannie's job was ultimately to to make sure that everybody knew what was going on. And so I'm gonna read a letter, or an email rather, that she had sent Sean so that he could sort of pass on the news to everybody else about what exactly the day looked like. Um, so when, when I say things like we and I, picture, picture this coming from Jeannie. that's right, there we go so we said our goodbyes to Leilani yesterday and I think it would have been a day that she enjoyed the service was held at her home parish, St. Jerome it was a beautiful ceremony with not one not two but five priests officiating two Jesuits and three Franciscans if you were wondering there was a smattering of other clergy in the crowd a few more priests, a monk and judging from their sensible shoes and haircuts some nuns as well That's my favorite part. (laughs) Father Scott, the parish priest, towed over, oh pardon me, towered, (laughs) towered over the others with an impressive height of six foot eight. One of her friends sung Ave Maria, and Paul and his wife Rachel did a song as well, which we'll play for you at the end. Leilani had requested they perform a medley of Hail Holy Queen and Leaving on a Jet Plane. There weren't many dry eyes in the house. The eulogy was done by Father Jude, her former boss at Campus Ministries. It was exceptional. And right up there with some of the best ones that have been given in our family. I will get a copy of it and forward it on. We then drove out to the military cemetery which overlooks the Chesapeake Bay. Their practice is to have a private burial, so after the prayers we went back to get ready for the wake. And what a wake it was. Irish dancers and an instructor who taught us a line dance. We'd The whole place was dancing. It was phenomenal. A fiddler, speeches, a quasi-shrine with pictures, red licorice, Diet Coke, and a high-scoring hand of cards, and so much alcohol that the priest remarked on it from the altar. (laughs) I don't think any of the day would have happened without Mark. David is so sad, which left Mark as the decision-maker. And thank you so much for Mark for being around and to be able to make those decisions on our behalf. Anyway, we'll catch up when we get back pass this on to everyone who would like to know
3: okay hi everyone I'm going to read a letter that was written by sister Rosemary Uh, Sister Rosemary was one of Leilani's supervisors at Catholic University. I think she and Leilani worked together for about 10 years. Okay, so here we go. Lonnie Collins joined the community public health nursing group shortly after we received a large federal grant to educate graduate (laughs) students in nursing to work in communities with vulnerable persons. Over a 10-year period working together, we obtained four federal grants, and brought over $3.2 million into the School of Nursing. We also had the wonderful opportunity to educate almost 100 men and women, many of whom came from underrepresented ethnic and racial backgrounds. The students loved Lonnie Collins. She used her wonderful international experience to make everyone, especially our international students, feel at home. She was the expert on many of the African tribes. She had learned so much as she and David had traveled the globe. Our students trusted her. They sought her her advice, they confided in her. She treated each student with utmost respect. She was their cheerleader. Lonnie was a model of patience and perseverance. She saved every document that crossed her desk. Given a little time, she could find first drafts of any paper or grant that we wrote. She had paper files and computer files. When things got difficult, she called David and the problem was solved. She had wonderful ideas about how to improve the program. She was an active contributor to our team meetings. Lonnie loved grant writing. She never complained when we gave her a draft after draft. She also kept the drafts in the event that we changed our mind. I cannot remember Lonnie's gossiping or ever seeing a mean or sarcastic word about anyone. She was always for the underdog. To us who worked with her for a decade, Lonnie was a trusted and loved coworker. When she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, we were heartbroken. Lonnie was the calmest of the group. She consoled us. Lonnie loved celebrations, so we planned a luncheon the day before she admitted. Close to the day, the menu that Lonnie had planned was radically changed. As nurses, we thought a light lunch would make the preparation for surgery easier for her. Lonnie did not see it that way. I can still hear her saying, I like quiche. (laughs) The original menu was restored. After surgery, Lonnie came back to work as if nothing had happened. She was the poster girl for chemotherapy. She never stopped working, eating, or enjoying her friends and family. She never complained. If she felt sorry for herself, she never showed or revealed it. She loved her family, dinner with her friends, visits to Canada, trips to the beach. She was so proud of her sons. Each of us became part of Lonnie's kinship ties. In some ways, We believed that Lonnie was immortal. She told us about the lesion in her brain in a very calm manner. She would be admitted, and they would remove it. She would come home, and she and David would plan their next trip. After the surgery, we became concerned because Lonnie said that she no longer liked cherry Twizzlers. Although we may never know of her suffering, we are happy that Lonnie is most certainly with the risen Christ. Lonnie, you have helped and befriended others your entire life. Enjoy heaven, we miss you. When we all get to heaven, we will have a huge celebration, and you can plan the menu. (laughs)
0: Thank you. All right. Thank you, Kelsey and Jeannie. Those were lovely stories, and yes, definitely uh, quite a depiction of how Leilani was. Definitely um, taking it under what it really was. Um, Always made it a positive out of any negative situation. Um, We're going to. have Billy come up and read Jim Lepofsky's uh, speech or letter.
4: Uh, just as an introduction, Jim and his wife uh, were very close to uh, Leilani and Dave. <clears throat> How many children did they have? Ten? Seven. She was a nun. Kathy. <laughs> it's not when she had the seven. <laughs> I don't know. He was a
5: was
4: I think he was in the was seminary. I don't think he was ever ordained, was he? Yeah, no. no. Anyway, let me read his, his letter. If Lonnie wasn't your relative, your wife, your mother, your daughter, your cousin, then she really was your best friend. She was truly someone who always showed up. She was always there for everyone. We had the privilege of being Lonnie's friend for 35 years. We moved into Hyattsville and they had moved back from a foreign assignment, and our paths crossed. We quickly became close friends. All those things you hear from the other speakers also applied certainly to our family and we are deeply in her debt. I can think of a couple of things in particular. One was our daughter Sharon who gave birth to her second child, and everything was going fine. But two days after the birth, Sharon grew more and more ill. The doctors had trouble diagnosing what it was. She had a very severe infection, and it put her life in danger. Well, in this situation, as in all others, Lonnie couldn't do enough. She showed up during the time Sharon was bedridden for well over a month. Lonnie would come over at night just to help with Henrietta, the older child. She made herself indispensable. You could always rely on Lonnie to be there for you. This went to such an extent that one day when Sharon was somewhat recovered, she and Colin went out. Not very far, point of her recovery, but they went out the door and left the front door open. When they came back, Lonnie was on the couch She said, oh, I thought you guys were upstairs in bed. (laughs) And Lonnie had simply shown up, found the door open, let herself in, and waited patiently for the moment when she would be needed. That was so Leilani. Well, it all had a happy ending. Sharon recovered, and we now have a third grandchild. Another really important thing that Lonnie did for us was when our older son, Jimmy, had at one point in his life become a Drug addicted. This was accompanied, as it often is the case, by all the kinds of anger and problems at home that go with this disease. But he had been a good friend of Paul's from boyhood, and we were at that time moving out to Phoenix. Jimmy was certainly not going out there with us. Well, he hit bottom when we were in Phoenix, and who did he turn to but Leilani? Lonnie saw to it that he got on the plane, got out to rehab program, and I am happy to say that he is recovered. That's the kind of thing. Here's a kid at the end of his rope who knows the only one person in the world he can go to was the Leilani College. But there's much else. I can remember going with Lonnie to help my daughter Julia pack up at the end of her sophomore year at college her room was a disaster it was a wreck it was awful and Lonnie I'm sure was aghast as I was I don't think Lonnie would be that aghast
6: you <laughs>
4: Yeah, uh, she was a little bit like our mothers you didn't worry too much about uh, the corners <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah uh, but she stayed through the whole process got her packed up got stuff into storage It was a day's work and hard work, too, but Lonnie was always there. Lonnie was fun, too. As all of us know, yes, I like it too much. How many times have I heard that one used? She was generous in her hospitality. You'd get invited to her and Dave's house, and it'd be an evening of great cooking, great drinking, I don't think Lonnie very much, maybe David an odd drink, and great company. Well, Mark, if he was over, he had one too. What more could you ask? The full family always opened their home to us. Three different times, I or some of the kids went and visited them overseas. We just had a great time. I remember walking with Sharon and Maureen, two of our daughters, and with Paul and Mark and Lonnie in Vienna, walking the entire length of the Ringenstrasse around the old city of Vienna and just enjoying every minute of it. She was a woman who could never do enough for you, but there was nothing somber or dutiful about the way she helped. It was always with a spirit of joy. She spread that joy to all of us. And Lonnie, I know you're spreading joy in heaven right now. Thank you, Billy.
0: Yeah, we've heard uh, lots, of, uh, lots of stories and statements uh, about uh, Lonnie's generosity. and uh, no, Nobody can attest to it as much as myself. Uh, for me, growing up, uh, her, her gifts on birthdays and Christmas were, were fantastic, and especially for my daughter, who wouldn't have had the opportunities to do some things like figure skating without, uh, without Lonnie's help. Um, we're going to move uh, along here with uh, Margot. has a uh, reading from uh, Michelle Bartow.
5: Hi guys, I'm Margot Jacobs, I'm Mark Collins' girlfriend, and um, I'm sharing a a message that was shared with us from Michelle Bartow-Winn. Her mother and David are first cousins, so that makes David her second cousin, and, and as she said, Lonnie her second cousin. So these are her words. I was asked to speak, and I was kind of nervous, but the other day I went to my daughter's house, and she has this basket on her desk filled with ribbons and papers. I reached in for a daily affirmation to see what I wanted for that day, and I grabbed a pink ribbon. I pulled it out and it said, never lose a chance to say a kind word, so I knew I should speak. Lonnie and David were part of our Thanksgiving family, always. We had Thanksgiving together. We used to have it in Milford, Delaware at my mom and dad's house, and then when my mom couldn't do it anymore, Lonnie and David said, we're going to do it. So we came to Hyattsville for Thanksgiving. It was always my favorite holiday, I think because we spent it with the same people and we always knew who would be there. It was the best food, and it was the best conversation. At the the end of the night, we always ended up in the tiniest room with a piano and started the Christmas season by singing. One night, Lonnie asked us, do you want to go downtown? And my husband said, sure, I'll go downtown. It's about 11 o'clock at night, so we get in the car, and Lonnie goes flying through the streets of D.C. She's headed to the Pentagon. She's going to the White House. She's going here. She's going there. She's going all over town. And my husband says, Lonnie, I thought we were going to downtown Hyatt'sville. <laughs> Lonnie was like, why would we go there? <laughs> uh, about three years ago, uh, um, I joined the club with Lonnie, the club I didn't want to be a part of, hence the scarf she was wearing that day when she shared this. But Lani came to me the day before my first chemo, and she called, and she said, I want to come over, and I want to help you. She said, I'm going to give you some information that will help guide you through this, and you're going to feel better. And she said, always eat a steak before you go for treatment, because your red blood count will be high. Get a gel manicure, because people will look at your nails. Don't look at mine today. (laughs) She said, if you feel bad after treatment, rest. And when you stop feeling bad, get up and do something. Have fun. Find some joy in your life. And who had more joy than that from the joy she would give you? She was just a good, fun, and wonderful person and had a wonderful life. Then there was the most powerful thing that Lonnie did for us. It was in November of uh, 2015. My mom was sick in the hospital and we were having a bridal shower for my daughter. Lonnie came to the shower and then she went to the hospital. She came back to the house and she said, I got a hotel room. I'm going to sleep for a while and then I'm going to spend the night with your mom. So she did exactly that that night, and the next day she went to her hotel to sleep. Because she didn't go to sleep while she was with my mom. She stayed up and talked to her all night. The next day she slept, and then she went back to the hospital. And she said, I'm going to stay with your mom again. She came back a few days later, and we were there all day, every day. My mom was going downhill. It was the last day of my mom's life, and we had been there all day. Lonnie said, I'm going to come back at 9 so you guys can go home, and I'll call you if anything happens. I think you call it a mitzvah when you do a deed for someone that can never be repaid. And that's what Lonnie did for my sister, my brother, and I. And my mom, because she called us, and she said, you need to come. We lived just a few minutes away, but we didn't make it. But Lonnie was there to hold my mom's hand, and to help her transition to where she needed to go. And all of the loving things that anyone ever did for us, we could never forget this. So I wrote her a letter and told her what she meant, how much I loved her, and that I would never be able to repay her. And that she was one of the finest people I ever knew in my whole life. I'm going to miss her. She's connected to some good people up in heaven right now, who I know are sure happy to see her. With my family, we have a lot of good memories. And David, Mark, and Paul, I love you guys so much, and she did too. We wish you peace and good memories. And just an extra special note for me. Lonnie had a really good friend who was there with her, who was holding her hand when Lonnie passed. And David was there, and Mark was there. And they were able to help her transition where she had to go. And then just a couple weeks ago, Mark's cousin and, and David's niece got diagnosed with breast cancer. And she said to us, when we went down to go see her, because Lonnie couldn't, she said, I would have called Lonnie to get her tips and her advice, but I couldn't. So I called Michelle, because I knew that her, Lonnie's words were with Michelle.
0: So there we go. OK. Well, yeah, this is uh, uh, hard to do now. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Kelsey, are you, are you ready? <laughs> I, I, I can't say much right now.
2: So this is the eulogy that I gave at the wake. <coughs> I'm honored to have been asked to pay tribute to my aunt and godmother, Leilani. Like all of you, I'm deeply saddened by her loss and wish to say a few words on behalf of our family. Leilani lived life to the fullest, <coughs> but only until her, after her sleep-in until noon. It was required, after all, to put her best foot forward so that she could function. I can hear her saying just now, Oh, please, just five more minutes, when someone asks to go and wake her. (coughs) Speaking of time, Lonnie struggled with punctuality. Her brother Billy commented that the only one for which Lonnie came early was God. I don't think that there were many summers for my 39 years that Lonnie didn't come home to Canada for at least a short visit. We looked forward to her visits all year as we knew she would raise the fun quotient when she arrived and she would always be carrying one or two things for us. (laughs) Lonnie would put the boys in the basement and tinfoil the windows so that they would sleep in because she would say, we're on holidays. Not only did Lonnie like to travel and visit places old and new, she loved to have people come and visit her. Arriving at her and David's home, the house would smell freshly of bleach so that it was ready to receive. Lonnie would ask what we wanted to do, and it was assumed, of course, that the trip would always include a visit to Ocean City with stops along the way to have crab and other delicacy- delicacies to help us keep up our strength. <laughs> to shop, of course. Of course to shop. The beach was another favorite spot for Leilani and I can picture her now on her beach chair with her feet in the sand and a book in her hands. Lonnie had more friends that I could even count and she did such an amazing job of keeping up with them all. To hear Lonnie talk about them, you would have thought that they were your family and I think she thought of them that way too. Even though there were many people at her funeral that I had never met, I had heard about them all, and the good times that they had with Leilani. Lonnie opened her heart and her home to countless people over the course of her life. She would buy baby gifts. That's better, isn't it, for William? Uh, pardon me. She would make, ba- she would buy baby gifts, make meals, and help those in need as much as she could. Her generosity and genuine care for others was obvious, and she was always eager to lend a hand, as others have attested to. Lonnie made everyone feel important and always included. Cousin Sean reminded me of a short story that exemplifies Lonnie's care and compassion for others. He remembered walking down the streets um, in downtown DC in 1974, and a young woman with a baby in arms said, ma'am, I have no money, can you help? Lonnie took her by the arm, pulled her over to a phone booth, and the whole world stopped while they called her social worker to to get her emergency aid. Once that was done, they marched off to a drugstore to buy diapers and formula for the baby. Sean had never seen anyone so tearful nor grateful as that young woman. Because she radiated so much kindness, this kind of thing actually happened to Lonnie a lot. The most important people in Lonnie's life were her boys and David, and she devoted her life to ensure their happiness and well-being. She passed on her love of a good time to Mark, as well as her night owl tendencies. To Paul, she passed on her ability to make connections and have people feel listened to. Mark and Paul, I'm sure you know that the depth, Mark and Paul, I'm sure know that the depth of their mom's love will be with them always. David, your devotion to Leilani was never more evident than in, than in her times of illness. All of us saw you as you lived your love for her. Leilani was a woman of God, In her final days, her sister Timlin recounts how she was at peace because Lonnie knew that something better awaited her. She was even overheard talking to her mother and Aunt Belle, and I like to think that she was talking to her cousin Sharon and my mom too. I'm sure there's a card game underway, and Lonnie is snapping down her cards with excitement, eating the good U.S. licorice and drinking (laughs) Diet Coke, of course. Picture with me now, Lonnie looking around Heaven and saying, I like it too much. In our family, our tradition is to send our loved ones on with the Irish blessing. Please join in if you know it. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hands, amen. Second thing that I'm going to share with you today are some stories from Father Jude's eulogy. Um, Unfortunately, Mark had tried to get it for us and um, the circumstances were so strange, but Father Jude had lost it and despite the hours that he had tried trying to locate it again, he wasn't able to. Um, So between our memories, and by ours I mean mostly Mark, Margot, and Jeannie, They were able to sort of make sense and um, try to get all of the details appropriate from some of Father Jude's stories. Um, And I I think the part that I appreciated the most from what Father Jude told us at the funeral um, are the stories that Lonnie didn't share with us. And um, I would consider some of them to be the most selfless acts and selfless stories um, about Leilani. And, And I think that's probably the reason she didn't share them with us. Uh, so here goes. So again, Father Jude um, was Lonnie's uh, supervisor at, um, oh, pardon me, my page is jumping around. Lonnie's supervisor at Campus Ministries at Catholic University. Um, and um, this is the first story that, that he told. One day, Father Jude returned to the office after a meeting, and he found Lonnie on her hands and knees scrubbing the linoleum in the kitchen. Father asked her why she was doing it and and why she hadn't asked for one of the students to do that job. She replied quite simply that no one else would, so she was doing it because it needed to get done. When he went to find out why the students weren't doing it, he found a student crying at her desk. When father asked her what the matter was, he heard the whole story. Leilani had asked the girl to wash the floor, and the girl replied, I don't do floors. Leilani replied, well, I do do floors. And she began to gather the supplies to wash the floor and went and did the job. The girl explained to father that she had offered to do it after that and Lonnie had refused saying, if you can't do it with love in your heart, you shouldn't do it. He also spoke lots of students with hardships and students who had found themselves in poor circumstances and um, always these, uh, pardon me, anonymous gifts that had been given and one in particular one, in, one student in particular um, had a younger brother, and um, he had, again, fallen on hard times and was expecting some money, it didn't arrive, etc. And so the, the group had, um, had um, asked for donations and put them aside in an envelope, and uh, Father Jude happened to be there when the young student came back and, um, and handed the money over to him, and noticed that the envelope was quite a bit thicker than, than when it had gotten into Lonnie's hands. And, um, apparently what had happened is Lonnie had stuffed an extra few dollars in the envelope. So Father Jude had given the envelope to the young man and didn't say much more, and later had asked Lonnie about it. And uh, she said, quite simply, I know what it costs for to, uh, to feed two young boys, and what was, in that em- what was in that envelope just wouldn't be enough. And so she had taken it upon herself to uh, add some extra money so that that young man and his younger brother, I believe it was, um... Would, uh, would be well set and well on their way. So again, just a few more ways that Lonnie gave um, everything of her and did it anonymously with such a kind heart and, um, and in such a way that she never wanted that praise.
0: Thank you, Kelsey. Uh, that uh, story actually sorry. really gets me. When my mom uh, first got back, and she told me a couple of those stories from uh, from the service, I, I was just broken up, and it still gets me now. Um, but uh, that that uh, concludes uh, the service. I just want to thank nope. it, oh well, well we have the song. Oh, well, we're going to end with the song, of course. Sorry. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> I want to thank everybody for sitting in the heat and and uh, listening to us cry and whatnot. And and people who came from many, many miles, Mark and Margo, and, 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 oh yeah, yes, obviously Doug, and and Dave, well Doug and David, yes, and uh, from all over Saskatchewan and Alberta and all kinds of places, thank you very much for coming. I'd also like to thank Teresa and Bill for hosting this event, and for Kelsey,
4: what did I say? Teresa Mosley.
0: You you, you live here. (laughs) But uh, yes, and definitely uh, for uh, Jeannie and Kelsey and for everybody else who organized this event and and put all these stories together. Thank you very, 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 very much. And we'll uh, finish with Paul and Rachel's uh, song.
2: I'll just uh, maybe give a summary. Okay. So Paul had actually sent this, um, this song to Jeannie and um, Paul is playing the guitar and his wife, uh, Rachel, is the one who's singing.
6: Down the Waiting, he's blowing his oh, horn. Already I'm so lonesome I could die. So kiss me and smile for me. Tell me that I hate to go. Now the time has come to leave you. One more time, let me kiss you. Then close your eyes, and I'll be on my way. Dream about the days to come. Like you never let me go.
0: nice song. Um, Anyway, um, there's some uh, refreshments in a cooler over here. Just dig in. And uh, and then there's going to be a a tray of uh, meats and all kinds of stuff. I'm sure you're probably hungry because all this talking makes me hungry. So, um, yeah, please uh, feel free to help yourself to uh, whatever you see. And... uh, it's not ready yet. Well, we're getting it ready. When you see it, yeah. When you see it, eat it, and then, uh, and then there'll be less less to clean up. So that'll be great. All right. So thanks again, everybody.